I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource and real talk about real estate starts right now. We're back, folks. Welcome back once again to Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties, leader of the JT Pitts and Associates team. And today I'm really excited. I'm always really excited. You know, I'm 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 fairly often heavily caffeinated as well, but today I might especially be uh caffeinated, but or maybe it's just the topic that I'm so excited about. Either way, um, you know, we got a lot of great feedback on our last episode where we talked about, you know, essentially retirement savings and some financial tips for real estate agents. Um, you know, maybe more appropriate for new agents, folks that, you know, are starting to have a level of success that they have not previously seen and may not know what to do in this very active market where they're generating a lot of income and not knowing where to place that, how to save for retirement, how to do what's best for their financial future. So I got so many of you reach out, and I'm so appreciative when I get feedback like that from you guys. Um, but uh, I got some requests, and and that's really, really nice. But uh, the requests this time were, you know, for you know the topic that I kind of teased on last week's episode, which is kind of like a graduate level, 400 level, like take it a step further, let's go deep. Let's not stay so surface level, um, but I'm not quite ready to do that. A couple of the other things that I, were, I was told um, and requested is something that we haven't talked about on the podcast for some time, but it used to take up a lot of space in our world here at Resource, and that is the world of real estate investing as a real estate agent. So what I've got for you today is four steps, four steps to get yourself as a real estate professional into the world of real estate investing. We're gonna go straight to the point. And I'm really excited to do that because real estate investing has been near and dear to my heart uh, since prior to being a real estate practitioner for myself. A lot of you know my history. I grew up in the real estate business in a real estate family in a small town, a little bit south of Louisville here. And my father was an investor. We were property managers, which we still do. Um, in, in small town real estate, you do it all. It is, it is a one person show in a lot of cases, you know, and we span the full gamut of the real estate industry. You do commercial, you do residential, you do buyers, you do sellers, you do investments inside of the investment world. You do property management, you do rentals, you do flips, you do auctions, you do development, you do new construction, all of those things. Right. So, um, I was very fortunate to come up in that environment and get, a breadth of knowledge in a lot of different things. But you know, they say you can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's that that's if you're not careful. So I have chosen in my career to spend a significant amount of time on a few key aspects, helping real estate agents learn how to represent their clients and build businesses and build teams has been my primary focus. But early on, investing took a large, large space in my, 
and my uh, you know my sphere, my 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 level of interest was high on that topic. It's something that we did a lot of, and I've I've been doing it for quite some time. So I'm excited to help you guys uh, learn some things about how to get started. So here's let's just get right to it. Step number one, and you know this this is somewhat of an arbitrary number, but I'm going to make it sound not so arbitrary. This number um, is rooted in some assumptions. It's it's rooted in what I believe to be, um, you know, a realistic stand, you know, a realistic place in the market in and around Louisville, Kentucky, to where you can get started and project kind of where you're going to go in the world of real estate investing. So number one, save twenty five thousand in cash. Twenty five thousand dollars. Now, for some people, that may seem almost insurmountable. Okay, with you're just trying to figure out how to make your mortgage, how to make your car payment, okay, how to buy the home that you live in. Some would would probably ask, okay, should I buy a home to live in before I invest? Well, that's a good question. There's some subjective kind of context to that, and I'm not going to answer that question because it really depends on you. I would say, generally speaking, you should probably own a home to live in before you own a home to invest in. But I I I won't um, I won't say that you know, with, with 100% certainty. Let's say though, that you should be building your business to help buyers and sellers to where it is reliable enough that you can save $25,000 in cash, have your bills taken care of, you know, a good real estate investing venture is not built on over speculative interest. You can't get out of sequence. You can't be looking to buy a piece of investment property before you have a career that pays your bills on a month in month out basis. But let's take for today's conversation the assumption that you're there. Okay, you're selling, you know, 30 30 homes a year, you're making a decent income, you have a personal residence taken care of one way or the other. Um, you, you've, you've even started down the path of some of those things that I talked to you about last week with your retirement savings. You've started some, some other investments. You've got your tax savings in, in line. Everything's good there, right? And, and before you ask, or in case you're wondering, no, you cannot take the money you set aside for taxes and speculate in real estate investment. It's not allowed as far as I'm concerned. Now you can do whatever you want. I'm sure you're an adult. And of course, if you got a real estate license, you have to be 18. So I won't be there stopping you from doing it, but it's a bad idea. Don't invest your tax savings. So first, save 25,000. Why 25,000? 25,000, in my mind, represents at minimum a 20% down payment on a piece of investment real estate, a, a buy and hold type investment. Um, a lot of people will ask me, should I flip houses before I buy rentals? We're going to get to that in a moment. But I'm going to assume that you have been able to build a business that supports you month in, month out. Your bills are paid. You're down the path in terms of saving for taxes and investing for your retirement through means other than real estate. And you've got 25000 in cash. Why 25000 Because it represents at minimum a 20%, but preferably a 25% down payment on roughly a $100,000 home. Now, let's talk about 100,000 and why that's relevant. 100,000 happens to be slightly less than the median sales price in Louisville. Okay? One thing I will teach you about investing in rental real estate, generally speaking, 
This is not 100% accurate all the time in all circumstances, but generally speaking, as you ascend in price, you're going to have a harder time making the rent that you receive from an investment justify making the investment itself. Now, the investment may be more safe, but it's certainly the way the numbers will work out is your rates of return will dive as you ascend in price. What I've determined is right around 100000 adjusted for, you know, the appreciation we've seen over the past few years. If you'd caught me two years ago, I would have told you 70000 If you'd caught me a couple years before that, I would have told you 50000 But uh, uh, adjusting for the rapid rate of appreciation we've seen over the past few years, $25,000 gives you a 25% down payment on a $100,000 house. Now, in a perfect world, your first foray into investment property, you know, investment purchasing, real estate, um, is going to be a property that doesn't need a ton of renovation. Now, again, that goes back to the flipping versus rental conversation. We'll come back to that in a moment. In my mind, step one being saving twenty five thousand in cash. Okay. Step two would be purchasing a rental real estate, a rental asset, piece of rental real estate preferably a house. And I'm going to hear from people I know. What about apartments? Apartments are fine. I don't think you should probably buy apartments. As a real estate agent, you shouldn't buy apartments as your first investment unless you have a lot of money or you, you know, a lot of related experience. I'm, I'm assuming that this is someone who doesn't have a ton of experience. They're just getting into re- rental real estate and real estate investing after going into a career in real estate. So we're going to buy a rental. That's step two. Okay. Now let's examine why a hundred thousand, why 25,000. And let's take a look at some kind of basic numbers that I kind of ran before we jumped on here today. Let's say you buy a hundred thousand dollar house. It does not need repairs. You're going to rent it as is it's turnkey. They never are. There's always going to be a little bit that you have to spend, but relatively turnkey. Um, I will say that you can flex that twenty-five thousand. You can flex that hundred thousand dollars sales price, the twenty-five thousand in savings, or the hundred thousand sales price, um, one direction or the other, a little to make the numbers work. And we're speaking in generalities here. Um, but what I would want is to maintain, because of the type of financing I want you to get on this rental property, you would want a twenty-five percent down payment. So let's just say, for example, house needed a little work, but it would still qualify for secondary market financing. You pay ninety for it. Obviously, your 25% down payment goes goes down a little bit. Um, that frees up a little more of your 25,000 to spend towards repairs, a few thousand bucks. That that the equation works there. But let's assume for this exercise that you're buying 100,000, 25% down, financing 75 grand. If you finance 75 grand, your principal and interest payment's going to be just a little more than $350 a month. Your insurance is going to be about 75 a month and your taxes are going to be a little over 100 for a total payment of just shy of 550. 550 a month. Okay? Let's say that you got a good deal on uh, on that property and you know, you negotiated tough, you saw some, you know, an underappreciated area, uh, a deal that somebody had missed and between maybe waiving a commission, which you can do sometimes, or at least earning the commission, that's another thing you can use that commission to reinvest in the property. Uh, or, or you just bought it cheap, right? Because you know, you make the saying is, is you make your money in real estate when you buy, not when you sell. 
So let's say you bought an undervalue by 20,000. That's a 20% margin. That's buying 80 cents on the dollar. You'll hear some people say that. That's not inconceivable. Even in today's active real estate market, it may take some searching. It may take, you know, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, some ruthless negotiating. But, you know, this is what you do, right? So we're going to say it's not inconceivable. What are you going to rent that property for? So, so now to recap, we paid 100. It's worth 120. We put down 25%. We finance 75K. We got a $550 a month payment. Let's say that it does not quite measure up to the 1% rule. What's the 1% rule? 1%, the 1% rule is a method of evaluation of a real estate investment where you look at the gross revenue that the asset will generate on a monthly basis as compared to the total acquisition cost of the asset. So again, Total acquisition is 100 grand. We, that's what we paid. We didn't have to put money in renovation. And it's not going to measure up to 1%, which would be $1,000 a month in rental price. Let's say you get 900. So your potential cash flow with a payment of 550 and a rent payment or in a, and a rental payment from your potential tenant of 900 leaves you at $350 a month in positive cash flow. Okay. That's money that you didn't have beforehand. Well, you had it in your 25% down payment, but you know, you got that earmarked, but $350 a month in earnings that amounts to a little more, um, right at $4,300 a year. Okay. These are numbers that you're going to want to remember and I'll come back and recap them in a minute. Um, so $4,300 a year is your positive cash flow. That's a, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, you know, investment right there. If you can get a $900 rental, um, you know, and a payment for 550, that's a good situation. Uh, if you look down the road, say five years, you pay that $75,000, not, not a whole lot down, you know, we're, we, we could take our 350 in positive cash flow and apply it to the principal balance, reducing the principal owed to the bank substantially in that first five years. But I'm going to suggest that you don't do that. And I'll tell you more about why in here in a minute. But if you just make the payment as agreed on a 30-year note, and I can even get into why I would tell you to take a 30-year note here in a minute, the assumption I made on that loan was 4%, which I think you can probably even do better than that now. But make the 4% um, statutory or required payment for five years, and your principal balance goes down to $67,835. Your $120,000 value at a modest appreciation of 5% per year is going to land you at about $153,000 value. $153,000 owing sixty-seven dollars nets you an equity of $85,000 in five years. Basically doing much, much of nothing. And, and yes, I said you make $4,300, but that's not factored in here. Okay. If you wanted to apply the $4,300 a year to the principal, you're going to, you're going to pay down the principal substantially. Um, and, and maybe you got another 20, 25,000 in equity. I'm going to suggest you hold on to that and let, let me explain why. $4,300. So, so we're not going to get into real estate investing to do one. Okay we got to know where we're going and why we're doing this. Financial freedom is why we do this. We live in an, we work in an industry where our, our income tomorrow is not promised. I stand here today on Wednesday, November 18th at 12.45 p.m. 
And the governor's going to come on the television at four o'clock and maybe tell us that restaurants are going to get closed, curfews, et cetera, because of, you know, coronavirus is spreading. And, and all I'm telling you is that, um, you're self-employed person, right? Your income is not guaranteed, whether it's, you know, the government or, you know, a pandemic or, you know, the market gets soft or the stock market crashes, which by the way, is kind of doing pretty well today. Also, especially Tesla, if any of any of you follow that, uh, my Mad Max vehicle is coming out the end of 2021. So hopefully we'll see, we'll see that as Marcy laughs in the other room while she's watching this. But anyway, I digress. And what I want to tell you is your income is not guaranteed. Okay. If you can build a portfolio of these, let's take this $4,300 on one property or this 85,000 in five years on one property and let's multiply it by 10. Now we're talking about $43,000 a year. Now we're talking about $400,000 in equity. Okay. So I'm going to get you there. Remember, we're still just in step two of my four steps. We've dissected the rental, which basically is out there for you. There's a $100,000 rental out there for you that you can purchase. It may take a little shrewd negotiating and a little, you know, get up and jump up, jump, jump up from your desk and get in your car and run across town, you know, have a pre-approval letter already worked out and make a stiff offer and get it done and do all the leverage, give all the leverage you got with other agents and, you know, build a reputation. It may take all of those things to find the deals right now. But if you're going to find them for anybody, you might as well find them for yourself. You know, my dad used to tell me you buy the best and sell the rest as real estate agents who invest that that's something, gosh, I didn't, the third rhyme, the second rhyme there, Seth really snuck up on me Buy the best, sell the rest. When you invest, I wasn't expecting that, but yes, buy the best, sell the rest as a real estate agent who invests in real estate. Okay. You can find a hundred thousand dollar property. If you got 25,000 sitting in the bank, you can produce 85,000 in equity within five years doing nothing more than, than investing your time in managing that asset. You can have $4,300 a month, right? And there's some, there's some intangible, there's some, there's some direct benefits and there's some ancillary or intangible benefits, which we can kind of get into more in a moment. But suffice it to say, buying rentals now is a good idea. Just like last week I told you contributing to a SEP IRA or maxing your Roth IRA starting now is a good idea and your yourself five years from now will thank you for making that sacrifice. Getting started now, if you can figure it out, if you're in sequence, if you've got a strong business, if you're not being reckless or speculative, starting now is a good idea. Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back. Um, you understand pretty much all the details in step two. Step three, find another house, okay, after you acquire your first rental. And, and I might even allow you to flip-flop steps two and three. And certainly, if you don't have the 25K and there's a reason and you come upon an opportunity, you buy a house that you can flip and make the 25K. So whether you do it to raise the initial 25 Okay, because you don't have it saved for whatever reason. Your business is strong. The fundamentals are good. You just don't have it. Okay, you just don't have it. The business is good, but your personal financial situation is, is not where you'd like it to be for whatever reason. Mistakes in the past. 
inescapable circumstances, whatever it may be. Flip the house first, raise your 25, and then buy your rental. Or save your 25, buy your first rental, flip to raise another 25, and step four is repeat. So, you know, it's really not that complicated. It doesn't have to be 100. It should, it could be 90. It doesn't have to be 100K on the price. It can be 120. Um, what you need to learn from this process, though, is you know where the leakage happens. If you pay a little too much and you rent it for a little too low, and you hire a property manager and it costs a little too much, and you know you renovate it and you don't hire good contractors, you're not going to hit a home run on the first one. Okay, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to hit a home run on the first one. Okay. You can hit a single, and in five years, you're still going to have 85000 in equity. You're still going to have 4300 in positive cash flow. I didn't even escalate the rents. You could probably get a 4% increase in rents per year as well if you only do 12-month leases and you get good tenants. Good tenants, let, let me give you a piece of advice. This is, this is another anecdote, but don't ever lower your standards, lower your price when it comes to to picking tenants. Your single greatest, your greatest expenses is turnover. And with turnover comes damage and renovation. So anything you can do to retain a good to decent tenant, it's probably a good idea. I don't raise rents because I don't like losing good tenants in a lot of cases. You raise rents on good tenants and they leave. But um, you know, good tenants also expect to pay what something worth what something is worth. A tenant that doesn't plan to pay doesn't care what the price is. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. If you try to ask $1,200 for a $1,000 rental, the only person you're going to get is someone that doesn't plan to pay. Think on that for a moment. All right, so let's take a step back. And, and, I, and I guess this might be a, a little bit of a shorter episode today, but I do want to get into a little more of the ancillary versus the direct benefits. Um, because you may be sitting there and thinking, um, you may be sitting there thinking like, why should I be considering investing in real estate? Um, you may have watched HGTV and the flip shows and all the, you know, sexy depictions of what real estate and real estate as a career and as, as an investor might look like. You may be gone to a couple, you know, RIA or real estate investors association meetings and heard everyone tell you how great it is. You may have, you know, had a family member who has a lot of money and wants to get it invested in something and wants you to do all the work and doesn't really understand. You don't really understand what the allure is. I understand that. Um, but there are substantial benefits, not just, you know, the obvious direct benefits of, the appreciation scenario that I laid out for you, or the positive cash flow, which ultimately could become an income replacement. I don't recommend it early on, but if you don't think for a moment that I haven't thought about owning what owning 20 rentals at an average cash flow of $300 a month will do for me, if I wake up tomorrow and decide I don't want to work anymore, at my business or at my sales career, I've absolutely thought it. You know, I, I, um, 
I have it in my face all day long on the home screen of my phone that is essentially the goal that I want to get to by the age of 50 so that I don't have to wake up and do what I do every day now. And I love it. And I will probably still do it, but not because I have to, right? I want my kids' college paid for. I want, you know, I want them to have a good start in life. Um, all through taking active income and transferring it to passive income. Now that's probably a conversation for, for another day because even owning rental property is, 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 you know, not passive income for a lot of folks. A lot of people say it is, but it's really not. It's active income because you got to work for it. But let's talk about some other direct benefits. Number one, you get depreciation on a retained piece of real estate. Okay. Depreciation. You may not know what that means, but the IRS will allow you to depreciate the asset on paper, which essentially, in a lot of cases, and especially at this $100,000 price range with the, the type of uh, income that you're going to receive, they're going to allow you to straight line depreciate over a rough, it's not 25, so don't, don't quote me on this, and I don't want to hear you guys that already invest telling me I'm wrong. But just for simple math, without getting out the calculator, it's roughly a 25-year time frame. So just so you, you know, it, it, just so you, you follow me here, if you're not a math wizard like I am, I got to get the calculator out most times. Straight line depreciation on a $100,000 acquisition cost over 25 years is how much? Seth? <laughs> He's looking at me like I'm funny. Okay, so it's, it's, it's very easy. 25 years, okay, divided evenly into a $100,000 asset is $4,000 a year. Your positive cash flow or your income is $4,300 a year, okay? So that pretty much wipes out your profit. Now, that's not an exact comparison. You can't follow that because really, you know, um, you, have to, you have to take all rents received. So in this case, you know, 900 times 12 is going to be roughly 10,000 bucks. But you're also going to have interest expense that you're going to deduct, which is why I told you to finance it. Okay, um, I think I think the way to go and the way to get started at the at the rates of interest that we're receiving right now, three four percent. Okay, you're pretty much your entire income is going to get washed out. So when you hear people say, "I don't want to rent anymore because I want somebody else to pay my mortgage instead of me having to pay it myself," I'm going to invest in real estate. Or, you know, if you, you, you hear that kind of thing, I want to invest in myself, I'm going to go buy real estate. That's what they mean. Okay, when it's investing, you're literally having someone else pay you a, an amount in rent that is in excess of your mortgage. And you get tax benefits such that you basically have no increased tax liability on a year by year basis. Now at the end of 25 years, you'll have to recapture that depreciation and there will be a, a tax event at some point. But for 25 years, you get the benefit and the property continues to appreciate in value and you, you know, you know, and you get the benefit of that. Okay, and you don't have to pay anything for it. There's a lot more detailed into it than that. I'm not a tax professional, I must profess, but depreciation and interest expense deductions are two substantial direct benefits to investing and buy and hold real estate, okay? Um, 
you know, the act of having residual income is also a direct benefit. That positive cash flow you get access to when you receive it. Now, I'm telling you to save that money and apply it to future investments, but you know, having the residual income and the access to it is something that is incredibly important also. Okay, especially in an income in, in, in an income environment like I explained earlier, where you're self-employed and you don't exactly know when your next check is coming. And what could change that that's beyond your control, like I said with the pandemic, like I said with the economy or the stock market or any of those things. Like, you know, right now we're in an extremely short, short market in terms of inventory. What what if we don't get any more homes to sell? What if the pandemic takes sellers out of the market? at a rate higher than we expected. And you have buyers, but nothing to sell them. All that can affect your income and having residual income, people will always need a place to live and there will always be a segment of the population that will not be homeowners. Having that residual income is, is important. All right, let's go to the ancillary benefits. And I'll, and I'll close up with this. There are ancillary benefits to being an investor as a real estate agent. I think I'd, I'd like you to. I'd like to ask you the rhetorical question, and obviously it has to be rhetorical because you're not here. I guess you could you could ping me on Facebook and tell me your answer. But if you were to buy stocks as an investment, or invest in a retirement account, or buy life insurance, would you buy it from someone who didn't own those things themselves? I don't think you would trust a financial planner or you know a stockbroker that didn't own any stock i mean it's basic it's basic you know you know reason that you would not trust someone that didn't do it for themselves they didn't trust their skills enough to apply them on their own behalf so as a real estate agent you open up a completely different market to yourself in terms of active income by representing investors, if you can speak the lingo, now you'll sell some investors without investing yourself. It will happen, okay? But the serious, serious ones wanna know that you know how to make it a successful venture on your own, okay? So I would say that that is the probable most, the, the greatest ancillary benefit is the legitimacy that comes along with knowing how to invest yourself. A second is just the knowledge. And I could, I, I could, I could spider web that in a number of directions, but the knowledge that comes with helping someone be able to identify, secure, you know, execute, renovate, all those things that you get, like knowing having good access to good you know resources for renovation of properties having you know the knowledge and wherewithal of what things rent for having the knowledge on what you should be able to negotiate with a seller understanding the way that, that transaction works the financing types all those things okay that is going to take your business to another level in representing buyers and sellers and let me say some one other thing Investors are the Trojan horse of real estate. Okay, now I'm going to explain what that means. You can call it a number of different things. Invest, investing is a force multiplier, which any of you, you know, from, from the business world outside of real estate, you've probably heard that. But a force multiplier is a 
a circumstance that allows you to expand your business exponentially without having to spread out. I mean, this is a vertical. Uh, you know, that may be a better way to put it. A vertical where you f- you find an investor, if you show them how to make money, they'll buy 10 houses a year from you. Not one house, every seven years, right? As we've demonstrated that, you know, homeowners, regular homeowners will do. They, they turn over once every five to seven years. An investor will buy, the right one will buy 10 houses a year, it, you know, and do so multiple years in a row. Several clients I've sold more than 50 investment properties to over my career. So it's a force multiplier. It's a vertical that you need to get yourself into. But beyond that, what do investors have to have? Seth, what do investors have to have? Money. They have to have disposable income, savings, money to invest. People that have money to invest tend to own inexpensive or expensive personal residences, Seth. Give me a thumbs up or down. Expensive or, th- or inexpensive if they've got money to invest. Expenses. Expensive. That is correct. So you may not be a luxury real estate agent because you're relatively new to this or you just not branded yourself that way. Okay? You're working the market, you know, the chunky middle of the market, the like two fifty to four hundred thousand, right? And you're representing some some new to the industry, buy, you know, some, some new to the market buyers, some first time buyers, first time sellers, move ups, maybe. You know, you can go and identify a hundred thousand dollar piece of investment property that will turn a that, that will that will meet the one percent rule, that will that will generate eighty five thousand in equity within five years and $4,300 a year in positive cash flow, and sell that to a person that owns a million dollar home and you would have never had the opportunity to have that conversation about real estate with that person had you not been able to, to put forward that skill. And then you do it enough times and they grow confidence in you, guess who gets the call when it's time to list the million dollar house? or the $500,000 house and purchase the million dollar house. Or even 300 up to 500, I don't care what the number is, but my point is, it's the Trojan horse. Could not tell you how many people I have represented that I never would have gotten the opportunity to speak with them, much less list their expensive real estate or help them purchase expensive real estate, had I not sold them eight to 10% return investment real estate under a hundred grand and it's dirty work. It's hard. It's a little grimy at times. Okay. But you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Okay. Anything with a decent payoff is not going to come easy or else everybody would do it. Couldn't tell you how many real estate agents have referred me their wealthy clients because they don't want to go down to the blue collar part of town and sell them and sell them a dirty rental house. I couldn't tell you. I mean, it's the Trojan horse guys. You got to get into the investing world. Okay. There's plenty to learn. Okay. So it's a race. It's a race to 25 K get your 25 and you can get started. And it happens sooner than you realize. Don't forsake your tax savings. Don't forsake your, your budget at home. Don't go into credit card debt. Don't make bad decisions. Rates are going to stay low for a little bit. You don't have to, you don't have to react, you know, in, in a crazy way. Okay. But step one, 
get your 25. Step two, buy a $100,000 rental, finance it on the secondary market. Okay? Get, get your, get your $4,300 a year in motion, positive cash flow. Get your 85000 in equity for five, in five years in motion. Once you get that, you know, on, you know, on sound footing, go buy a flip, make 25, buy two flips. If you can't find a good, a $12,000 flip is a decent deal. If Phil Wunderlich was standing right here with me, he would tell you, do it for your first one. I would tell you that you probably won't even make money on your first flip, but I'm okay with that because you're going to learn. You're going to get all those ancillary benefits, but raise you another 25K, however long it takes by flipping real estate and then go buy another house. Rinse and repeat. Before you know it, your $4,300 a year will be $43,000 a year. And your, and your, your first one you bought will be down to $40,000 principal balance. And once a year, you'll be able to write a check to pay off the principal balance of one rental. Then your positive cash flow jumps by 900 a month. Okay. Now we're talking now, now our $43,000 a year became $53,000 a year. And we do it again in year, in year two of this cycle. Next, year three, you're at $63,000 a year and the snowball starts. Okay. Before you know it, you'll own 20 or 25 rentals and they'll be near paid off. And this can all happen from today in 11 years. I've done the math. I can show it to you on paper. It's really not possible in this medium, but it's doable. Okay. The variables I've laid out for you get started as the second you've got your 25,000. All right. So that's all I've got. I have, uh, I've kind of went into painstaking detail and repeated numerous times the four steps. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just about done for the day, but I do have to give you a few reminders as always. Please, if you, if you will, wherever you podcast, please subscribe to this podcast. We do what we do so that this information gets out to the audience that needs to hear it. Okay, after you subscribe, if you'll do us a favor, if you like our content, please leave me a review, a five-star one. Even if you've already done it before, I'm willing to take the chance that, uh, that they reject it. It will only take you a couple of seconds. I don't care if you write six paragraphs. Just say, Jay's not stupid, five-star review. I'm good with that. You can call me stupid if you want to. I'm fine with that too. But as long as you give me the five-star review, I really don't care what you write. Um, but you know, if and only if you appreciate it. If you don't appreciate the content, then just don't watch and don't give us a review. <laughs> but um, if you do appreciate it, it means a lot to us. Uh, it helps us grow the show. Uh, it helps us get more information out to the people that need it, that need it here in the Louisville market. I will also remind you with respect to our private Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, send me a DM. You know where to find me. Uh, send me a text. You probably got my cell phone number. I'm not that difficult to find. So just those are your two pieces of homework. Subscribe and, and review and send me a note uh, to get added to our, uh, our private Facebook group. I'm going to be adding a lot of information about the economy over the next couple of days. I've got, uh, I almost, I was this close to doing an episode on the economy today. Seth and I talked about it. Uh, I'm going to give that, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a little more room to breathe. Uh, but I'll be coming back to you real soon with, with, you know, not knowing what's going to happen with the Senate runoff in Georgia, 
where the economy's heading with the new administration and all of those things. I, I do have some I do have some thoughts. I do have some prognostication to do. It's just not quite the right time. I, I will I will um, I will give you a sneak peek. I think it's gonna be good. I think twenty twenty one could be the best year I've ever seen in real estate. And there's a couple of reasons why. New construction is one of them. I'm just burying all my leads here. But uh, come back real soon for, for, for that episode. I don't know if it'll be next week. Obviously, next week is Thanksgiving. I'm not even sure that we'll, we'll do an episode next week. But uh, there's a chance. So you got to stay tuned. Uh, as always, we appreciate you for listening. Once again, I am your host of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate, Jay Pitts, broker owner at REMAX. Thank you again so much. We'll see you soon.